have the experience, I have the values, and I have the energy to win this race. We have got to put our best candidate forward. I am that candidate. I am going to run as hard and as fast as I can between now and April 7th. I'm going to win this race, but I need your help. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. I'm your host, Benjamin Rangel. Today, we have the continuation of our election specials. If you are like us here at Bridge the City, you have a hard enough time keeping track of all the political news nationally. And so when you try to figure out the local stuff, it can become dizzying. Do not fear, though. We got you. We are one of the few podcasts that has given you in-depth and personal interviews with tons of local candidates throughout your city and state. For instance, today on the pod, you will hear from Judge Jill Karofsky, who is running for state Supreme Court justice here in Wisconsin. The primary election for this race is on February 18th, but early voting is already open, so get to the polls. Judge Karofsky is running against Marquette Law Professor Ed Falone, who was on the podcast a few weeks earlier, and Scott Walker appointee Daniel Kelly. The state Supreme Court is a 10-year term, so this election will have long-term effects on our state and its future. Our guest today, Jill Karofsky, is currently a judge of the Dane County Circuit Court, the former executive director of the Wisconsin Office of Crime Victim Services, and as you'll hear here in a bit, a very impressive athlete. Remember, Bridges City does not endorse any candidates. Our goal is simply to bring you information to help you be informed. As always, consider supporting Bridges City through patreon.com slash to ensure this valuable information continues to reach your podcasting feeds. You can become a patron for as little as $4.14 per month. Lastly, please visit myvote.wi.gov to find out where to vote and what else is on your ballot. Here's one of the names you'll find, Jill Karofsky. Judge Karofsky, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We're really happy to have you here and to um, make sure listeners know a little bit more about you. So before we jump into the specifics of you know why you're running for state Supreme Court, um, I'm interested in just learning more about you, uh, sort of you know, where'd you grow up? How did you get interested in law? So if you want to just start by introducing yourself with that question. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Um, I right now am a trial court judge, and uh, I am actually the only person in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race who is or who has ever been a trial court judge. And in that capacity, I heard over 1,700 cases last year. So I have the advantage in this race of seeing how the law impacts real people every single day. And I think that's hugely important for someone who's going to be on the Supreme Court. In my courtroom, everyone is treated fairly and equally and respectfully. I follow the rule of law. When interpreting the Constitution, I do it with today in mind. You know, the law isn't an esoteric exercise if you have been uh, a victim of crime or if you are a defendant who is caught in the web of the opioid epidemic and you've been charged with possession of heroin. It's not an esoteric ep- exercise if you are a landlord or a tenant involved in an eviction action or you're, it's your divorce 
and it's your property that's being divided up or someone's telling where your kids are going to sleep tonight. So that's that's the experience, part of the experience I'm bringing to this race. Um, I've also been a prosecutor. I know how to be smart on crime. I know the importance of protecting the rights of individuals, of victims, of witnesses, of defendants, of everyone in the public, everyone in our community. I've also been a victim advocate. I was Wisconsin's first violence against women resource prosecutor, and I was the head of the Office of Crime Victim Services at the Wisconsin Department of Justice. I helped victims in every county in the state get the services and the support and the help that they needed as their cases were walking through, going through the criminal justice system. What I have in this case is a depth and breadth of experience that neither of my opponents have. If you combine all the cases that they have handled together, you don't come close to the thousands of cases that I have handled as an attorney and that I have presided over as a judge. Uh, as far as my background, I'm born and raised in Wisconsin. I grew up in South Central Wisconsin. When I was growing up, my mom was mayor of my small city. And I watched her do things like bring emergency medical service into our town. She brought buses in so folks had access to public transportation. As far as how I got started in the law, I first walked into a courtroom when I was only 10 years old. I walked into that courtroom to change my middle name to be named after my mom because I was so proud of her. My dad was a local physician, and when he retired, the first thing he did was open up a free clinic for teens because he knew some of those kids would not have access to health care unless someone provided it for him for free. So my folks taught me the importance of public service, of taking care of people in my own community. And today, I'm a single mom of two teenagers. I'm now the head of my own household. And my kids and I all went to public schools, and we've had wonderful teachers. We all have benefited from those teachers. I talk to my kids about the importance of women's rights and workers' rights and human rights and civil rights. My kids, when I told them I was going to get into this race, I asked them what they were concerned about. You know, our kids are concerned about things like gun violence. They don't want to go to school anymore for code red drills. They're concerned about the climate crisis. And they see corruption on the state and the federal level, and they want us to do something about it. So that, that's my experience, and those are my values and my background, and those are two of the most important things I'm bringing to this race. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And so you mentioned you were in the courtroom as young as 10 years old to, to change your middle name after your mom, um, which is just, I think, for, from a parent's perspective, that'd be so inspiring to have your kid want to be named after, uh, named after you. Um, is there some, some other point when you were younger, either in college or before that, that like the idea of getting into law as an attorney was like solidified or something else that inspired you to, to want to practice law? The genesis was being inspired by my parents and, being, and seeing how they helped people in our community and how they were dedicated to public service, both of them in very different ways. When I was in law school, I had an internship in the Dane County District Attorney's Office in Madison, and I realized that if I worked in a prosecutorial office, I would have the opportunity to give a voice to people in the criminal justice system who aren't often heard, and that's victims of crime. And through my career in the Dane County District Attorney's Office, I was able to help women and children and people in need who were victims of crime, victims of sexual assault, victims of domestic violence, victims of child abuse. And while doing that, I was also knew the importance and was able to protect the rights of the accused, was able to balance those things and to make sure that victim, that excuse me, witnesses' voices were heard and that people in our community, that their rights were protected as well. And I'm glad you brought up your experience and background as a prosecutor. Uh, listeners might 
have seen or listened to the interview we had with Professor Ed Fallone, who's also running for state Supreme Court here in Wisconsin, and he mentioned his role as a defense attorney and sort of juxtaposed that um, toward your prosecution background and experience. Um, what is it about a prosecutor in particular that makes you qualified to be the state Supreme Court justice? So if you look at um, how pe- what voters are looking for in a state Supreme Court justice, voters are looking for someone who has been a trial court judge. They're looking for someone with my experience on the trial court, someone who sees how the law impacts real people, someone who has has a track record of deciding cases by the rule of law fairly, respectfully, every single day, and that's what I do. As a prosecutor, I also have a track record of being a very, very fair prosecutor. I know how to be not. I know how to be smart on crime. I have had when I ran for judge in Dane County, I, there were a number of defense attorneys who endorsed me. I have endorsements both from the defense bar and from the prosecute and from prosecutors from all around the state of Wisconsin. People know that I am fair. They know I was fair as a prosecutor. They know I am fair as a judge. And those things are what voters want to see in a state Supreme Court justice. Thank you. And uh, so Bridges City, as we mentioned before we started the interview, is really about uh, activism and getting people engaged, particularly at the local level. For some, I think they've been bombarded by news media around national elections, presidential elections, presidential primaries. But in a lot of ways, these local elections impact them more directly. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, state Supreme Court, uh, I know it has something to do with the law. It's at the state level. I guess, what is your pitch to people about why they should be paying attention and why they should really care about this particular race? I can't overstate how important this race is. Think about the cases that our state Supreme Court is going to hear in the coming years. We're all going to fill out our fen- our census forms in the beginning of an April. And as a result of those forms, the legislative lines in the state of Wisconsin are going to be redrawn. After those lines are redrawn, there's going to be litigation. And that litigation, we are almost certain, is going to land at the doorstep of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. We, I believe that the Wisconsin Supreme Court is going to hear cases about women's access to health care, about Wisconsin's response to the climate crisis, to gun violence, to criminal justice reform. What is democracy in this state going to look like? All of those issues touch people in Wisconsin today. They will touch people in Wisconsin 10 years from now and 20 years from now and into the future, even past that. Who we have making those decisions matters. These elections have incredible consequences. Look, I'm in this race to offer a very clear choice. On the one hand, you got a guy named Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly was the, uh, was the last person Scott Walker appointed to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And Scott Walker appointed him even though Dan Kelly did not have one minute of judicial experience. He was put on the court to carry the water of the wealthy, of corporations, and of the right-wing special interest, and he has done that. He has not spilled a drop of their water. So we know how Dan Kelly is going to rule on all of those issues that I listed out because he has a track record of always ruling in favor of the right-wing special interest. He has a track record of making decisions before anyone ever walks into the state Supreme Court chamber. He has a track record of acting like a politician, and all of that feels like corruption to people. So I'm in this race. I'm offering the experience like I told you about. 
I'm, my values that we discussed. I'm also bringing the energy that I have to this race. I I was uh, the state high school tennis champion. I was a D1 athlete in track and cross country. Finished the Ironman triathlon two times. Look, I've never been outworked or outhustled, and there is no way in this race Dan Kelly is going to outwork or outhustle me. And I love that you brought up your uh, sort of experience completing Ironmans, right? Um, which I feel like saying that out loud here uh, should be either non-gendered. Iron, yeah, so I don't some know. Some people have called it iron women. Okay, yeah, I think that's a more appropriate term in this in this circumstance. Um, but what is it about being able to uh, complete an iron woman uh, that helps towards your qualifications as a state supreme court justice? Well, I think for the first, for one, being in a race like this takes an incredible amount of endurance and grit and determination. And being able to swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and then run 26.2 miles definitely shows that I have grit and determination and endurance. And I have dedication. We had a campaign swing in October. I worked uh, through the whole week and on Friday night drove from Madison all the way up to Ashland. Got up the next day on Saturday morning, ran the entire Whistle Stop Marathon, 26.2 miles. Took a very fast shower, went up to a campaign event in Washburn. The next day drove to Merrill and then drove to Green Bay and then went back to Madison. I got home at 9 or 10 on Sunday night, and I was back on the bench at 8 o'clock the next morning. So, you know, you we want someone in this race. We have to have someone who is ready to go toe-to-toe with the right-wing special interest that is going to throw everything that they possibly can at this race because they do not want to give up this seat. They want Dan Kelly on this seat because they he's in their pocket. They know how he's going to rule every single time, and they don't want to lose that. And I'm glad you mentioned how much you're traveling all over the state. And I'm very interested in what you're hearing outside of the bigger cities like Madison and Milwaukee. Um, I don't think it's a fair characterization, but I think a lot of people who don't live in cities like Milwaukee or Madison, um, and they when they have candidates for statewide office who come from those cities, either they're working there or they live there, there's sometimes an unfair criticism that they're out of touch with the rest of Wisconsin. What would you say to a voter who is from rural Wisconsin um, who sees people from Madison and Milwaukee a little bit differently and think they're a little bit out of touch with the rural voters of the state? Well, unlike either of my candidates, I've actually worked and helped people in every county in the state of Wisconsin. When I was the head of the Office of Crime Victim Services, I helped crime victims in every single county in the state of Wisconsin. I spent a number of years driving all around the state helping crime victims. So I have traveled far and wide in the state of Wisconsin helping people. I also, I tell people this all the time, heaven for me is being anywhere outside in Wisconsin. I was born and raised here. So I love traveling around Wisconsin. It has been one of my favorite parts of running for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And when I talk to people who live outside of Madison and who live outside of Milwaukee, they are excited about our campaign. They're excited about our message. They're excited about the way we are running this race, and they understand why this race is so important for them and for the future of Wisconsin. And um, I'm also aware that there's a primary before the actual general election against Kelly, and um, Purchase City, of course, doesn't endorse any of the candidates, but there's certainly an ideological difference between you and Fallon and then Kelly on the other side. Um how do you differentiate yourself from Fallon, though, as the other quote-unquote liberal candidate in the race? Let me start off by saying this, that we are not going to have another Supreme Court race in the state of Wisconsin until 2023. 2020 is our year. 2020 is our year to take back Wisconsin's seat on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. 
This state cannot afford to have Dan, Dan Kelly on the court until 2030. So it is really important that we put the best and the strongest candidate forward after the primary to go against Dan Kelly in the general election on April 7th. And I am that candidate. I am the only person in this race who is a judge, and I have a track record of being a fair judge. I have a track record of being um, independent in my decisions. I also am the um, person in this race who's not afraid to talk about what my values are. People know what my values are. I've talked about them all the way through. I'm the only person in this race who has prosecutorial experience. People know that I, have, I am smart on crime, and I treat everyone fairly and equally and respectfully. Um, we also have more resources than the Falone campaign has. At the end of the last reporting period, we had five to one the amount of money that their campaign did in the bank. We have endorsements from all over the state of Wisconsin. I'm endorsed by Justice Rebecca Dallet. I'm endorsed by Wisconsin's last three Democratic governors. I have the endorsement of over 25 state legislators. I have bipartisan support from sheriffs and from judges and from DAs and from local elected officials from all over Wisconsin. We are running a statewide campaign. We also can show that we have a grassroots campaign, and that's what we need in order to win this race. We have had over 2,000 individual con contributions to our campaign. So we have the campaign structure, we have the grassroots, we have the message, and we got the candidate with the energy to get this job done. And uh, one of the parts of your message that you've gone back to, and I see is on some of your literature here as well, is that you have strong Wisconsin values. Talk a little bit more. I know you did in the beginning uh, about some of those values, but say more what you mean about what are spe the specific Wisconsin values that you share that you think are important that you're going to bring with you to the court. Sure. I mean, the values that I have, first of all, are the ones I talked about, about believing that public service is hugely important. Being a single mom of two kids and my kids and I all going to public school and having wonderful teachers. So thank you to any teacher who is listening right now. The importance of workers' rights and women's rights and civil rights and human rights that I talk to my kids about. I agree with my kids when they say they are concerned about gun violence in school. You know, I got one of those emails last week when my son was in the middle of finals that they found there was a, someone in his school with a loaded gun at Madison West High School. My kids don't want to go to school anymore for code red drills. They're going to school to learn. Um, I share with my kids concerns about the climate crisis. Um, and I agree that there is corruption on the state and the federal level, and that it's up to us, the grown-ups in the room, to do something about that. One question I like to ask every person we have on, not just candidates, but I think I love hearing from the candidates about, about their answer to this, is uh, what is your most uh, proud accomplishment? It can be related to your work in, in the law, but uh, personal accomplishments can be included as well. Uh, what would you say you're most proud of accomplishing in your life? Well, I, I'm most proud of my two kids. Um, I have a daughter who is in college, and I have a son who is in high school. And I, I say to them that I know that having their mom run for statewide office is not easy. Um, I am doing this for them, and I am doing this because of them, and I could not do this without them. They are my inspiration every day because the future of their state is what is at stake here. And so we are all willing to give up 
time. We're all willing to give up, um, you know, dinners that we would spend together. And I'm not at, I missed some football games. Uh, I've missed some trips out to see my daughter. But they understand, they truly know why this race is so, so important. And is, is your, your son is in high school, you said, is he going to be able to vote? Uh, he will not. He just, oh, okay. he just turned 16. He just got his driver's license this week. Okay. And I'm trying to, uh, trying to wrap my mon- mind around how something <laughs> so awesome and so terrifying can yeah. happen all at once. Um, and then your daughter, is she uh, going to school in Wisconsin? She's not. She's so in, she voting absentee then? Yes, she okay. is. <laughs> yep, she's got that all. Uh, she's got. She's already registered, and she's applied for her absentee ballot. And, uh, yeah, she's ready to, to vote for her mom. Um, I want get to get back to maybe some specifics. I know as a candidate you can't uh, overtly talk about cases that might be heard by the Supreme Court, but in the past, the state Supreme Court has made some big rulings recently. Is there a specific ruling or rulings, plural, uh, that you think the current state Supreme Court here in Wisconsin has uh, made a mistake on? Well, I think there are a number of ones. And one that comes to mind is the Koshki case, which they decided at the end of the last term. And it was a decision that had to do with administrative rules at the Department of Public Instruction. And the interesting thing about the Koshki case is that the Supreme Court ruled on a case in 2016, very similar facts. And in 2019, with Dan Kelly on the court, they reversed their ruling 180 degrees. And as Justice Ann Welsh Bradley said in her dissent, the only thing that changed between 2016 and 2019 was the makeup of the court. So in other words, the law in the state of Wisconsin changes just because we have different people on the Supreme Court. So how are any of us, how is any citizen in Wisconsin supposed to have any confidence in what the laws are if the Supreme Court is just going to change their mind because the members, the makeup of the court changes? Um, I also think you know the lame duck case, where and, and Justice Kelly was on the court in the Koshki case. He was on the court in the lame duck case. And in the lame duck case, they didn't even allow for a, a hearing, an evidentiary hearing at the trial court level. They were so bound and determined, the Supreme Court was, to pluck that case. They were so bound and determined to make a decision that they plucked that case from the trial court so they could get it in to the state Supreme Court. And everyone knew how Justice Kelly was going to rule because he always rules in favor of the Republicans. He always rules in favor of the right-wing special interests. So uh, I would assume that it's fair to say that as a, a justice on the state Supreme Court, um, one of your goals is to get... The, the politics, I guess, of the partisanship of the court and kind of return it back to a more objective uh, court that doesn't rule only based on, the, you know, whatever partisan identification the, the um, justices have, but based on the rule of law is that... Right. Decision, decisions on the Supreme Court should be made based on the rule of law. They shouldn't be made because someone is appointed to the court by a Republican and the right-wing special interest wants to keep them on the court. Decisions should be made because, as Justice Shirley Abramson said, we should look at the law, we should look at precedent, and we should apply those two things to the facts. And we need to do that in a way that is fair and that is impartial. And we don't have that on the Supreme Court right now. And I'm the only person in this race who has a track record of making decisions following the rule of law. Dan Kelly certainly doesn't because he doesn't follow the rule of law. He's too outcome-driven. And Ed Falone doesn't because he doesn't have a track record because he's never been a judge. And um, I'm curious if there's still a listener who might be on the fence. Uh, what is, in, or maybe uh, 
thinking about when you run into the voters on the on the street or at different campaign events, what is your go-to in terms of uh, persuading a, a listener to support you? Or if there is somebody who's on the fence and, and you want to just say one last thing to try to get them to support you in the upcoming election, what do you say to them? I would say that we can't afford to have Dan Kelly on this court for 10 more years. And I have the experience, I have the values, and I have the energy to win this race. We have got to put our best candidate forward. I am that candidate. I am going to run as hard and as fast as I can between now and April 7th. I'm going to win this race, but I need your help. I need all hands on deck so that we can get this done. Great. And so if somebody is listening and wants to help out, um, as I mentioned before, Bridges City is all about action steps, getting people engaged in their community. Um, what is an action step that you want to give to listeners here, either just to support you if, they, if they're interested in doing that or just kind of broadly? Right. First of all, register to vote and make sure everyone around you, all your friends, your family, people in your dorms, people in your apartments, wherever you are living, that they are all registered to vote. Second, vote and make sure everyone around you vote. As far as our campaign is concerned, we have a website, jillforjustice.com. Please visit our website. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We also have an Instagram account. So please get on one of those social media platforms. Like us. Join us. We'd love to have you be part of this campaign. All right, Jill. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Bridge the City. Thanks to Judge Karofsky for making the trip to Milwaukee and taking some time out of her busy campaign schedule to speak with us. Thank you also to the 707 Hub and Marquette University for letting us use their space to record. Here in February, we're about to begin what will end up being a long election season here in 2020. Please stay tuned to Bridge the City for ways to learn more about the candidates and get informed. And please, of course, vote this February 18th. If you didn't already early vote, because you can do that as well. Uh, There is a lot on the ballot, including and depending on where you live, the Milwaukee County Circuit Court judge, uh, Milwaukee County Executive, Milwaukee County Supervisor, Milwaukee Mayor, Milwaukee Comptroller, Milwaukee City Attorney, a variety of aldermanic districts, and of course, the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Lastly, please consider supporting us with as little as $4.14 a month on patreon.com slash city. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my actual grandma explain why you should support Bridges City. Hi, Ben. It's Grandma. I just wanted to tell you, I just listened to Bridge the City with that Ed uh, Salone or whatever his name is. Very interesting. It's so nice that you have that because I never know who to vote for, um, you know, just by looking in the paper. I mean, Dad always used to keep up on that, and then he'd tell me, you know, this and that about this one and that one and the other. But that was very interesting. I listened to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, it was just so interesting. I'd like to listen, you know, about, um, you know, other uh, candidates for other um, elections. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Grandma, and thanks to you listeners for listening to Bridge the City. As always, please reach out. Let us know how you have helped Bridge the City. Bridge the City. Bridge the City. Yeah. Bridge the City. Yeah. Bridge the city, the city.